Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host, Jen Sir Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Yes, hello. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I'm getting too old for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not too mature. Too old. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> also joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Take him away, toys. That's my line. <laughs> Here's the thing, folks. We're going to get right into it this week. We have we have no interview with a New York Times bestselling author. That was last week. You can go back and check our Anthony Lamott. We have some wonderful questions. But first, I declare an emergency. Ooh. <laughs> what? You. And oh, is this a legitimate so, emergency? Somebody needs to declare it. I read from no, the, the lead from no less a source of NBC, than NBC.com. An Alabama megachurch is seeking to establish its own police department. Okay. What? The 4,100-member strong Briarwood Presbyterian Church located in suburban Birmingham contends it needs its own police force (laughs) to counter potential threats. (laughs) Really? Threats from the Baptists? or Yes. The Seventh Day Adventists, or there's a lot of meat on the bone here, folks. Is, so. it, are, are they? Is the police force protecting them from not adequately caring for their people in a more individual way? Well, <laughs> sure. In the sense that certain police forces around the country, maybe located here in Chicago, do a certain amount of mm, let's call it hands-on community relations. Maybe so. So the 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 police force is policing. Just a lack of body life where you're just a number in a vast sea of yes. faces. Yes, you've got it exactly. Hey, okay. you. Fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, these are all fine ideas. And here's the, here's the thing. Apparently, the, since that story went up, that, the, the story I just read the headline from was from late March. Uh, apparently, this has moved forward. Mm. Mm. This is the thing. And as, and I'm not a lawyer. I know we have some lawyers who listen. So yeah. if I'm getting this wrong, feel free to uh, text me and let me know. But uh, there's such a thing as legal precedent. Yes. Once something becomes legal, right. it can be done by other people. Right. So are we moving into a bold new era of church police? Yeah. <laughs> and if so, what are they doing? The literal <laughs> church police. I mean, uh, if you're saying... We got some people in here that really suck. Yeah, and sure. It's time to get rid of those people. Yeah, if you're talking about church bouncer, we're all for church bouncer. I think you. That's a thing. I know a lot of pastors who would be down for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot. Yeah. But if we're talking about policing, yes. I'm not quite sure what we're policing. Maybe here. we're finally getting the actual, literal sin police. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's actually happening. The sin, please. <laughs> a little bit of Saudi Arabia coming to Birmingham. <laughs> it's wow. going to be great. What's wrong with people? I think it's fantastic. Just So so this is this is the era that we're in. Church cops. Yeah, church cops. I'm working the church beat. Yeah. <laughs> because what do you what do you what do you think it like first here's the thing what do you want to do? Glenn has lost his ability to form sentences. That's true. He's so confused. First, be relevant. Sure. 
then maybe someone would care what you're up to. Yeah. And then you'd have to have a police force to protect you from... Because you're doing, like, so much feeding poor people. Yeah. It's like a scandal. It's getting out of control. Like, you're going out there and housing the homeless. Right. So much. Yeah. It's a controversy. Yeah. So this, this is a true story, but one time I was in Arlington, Texas, and uh, for a wedding, and went on the, you know, the wedding's on a Sunday or, or on a Saturday, so we're still there. We don't fly out till Sunday afternoon, so we're like... We're we're gonna go see it. We're gonna go see the full on Max Lucado thing. We're gonna go check it out. Right. So we go to the Max Lucado church. You know, Fernando Ortega is there leading worship. It's a whole thing. There's thousands of people in this place, and they literally made an announcement at the beginning of church. Hey, when the service is over, please don't stick around to get Pastor, you know, Max's autograph. Um, just you know, just go ahead and file out because we got to get people in for the next service. And they did have him standing there with a couple of dudes in front of him, dissuading the line that still formed. In any case, so maybe this is like a stepped-up level of bodyguard for the famous, you know, megachurch pastor. Right. I like it. I like it. I right. can assume in my head, Lee. Here's what happened: He had two guys. Now, one of them is an older fella who's retiring at the end of this week. Right. He's getting too old for this junk. Sure. Right. The other is it junk? Is that the line? Probably. The <laughs> okay. Other, it is if you watch it on TBS. Yes. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this junk. <laughs> the other one is a young, hot-headed maverick. Right. And Pastor Max's basic view is: I don't approve of his methods. But by God, he gets results. Is that because? And don't let me please, uh, 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 you know, inject this. Get in there. It doesn't fit. Is that because he is quote a loose cannon? Oh, he's a loose cannon. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. What What he does is he chews on a toothpick. Oh, that's how you know he's tough. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, right. And they work the church beat. They work the yep. church beat. He drives a vintage Mustang. Right? right, you know, and he doesn't care what anybody thinks. Right, he he wears a blazer uh-huh. to church, of course, yeah. but it's a distressed leather blazer. Right. So, is know. it a distressed leather blazer or is it a distressed leather sweater? Ooh, my man! <laughs> yes, I don't know sweater. what that yes. would be. Or it how is it a works. distressed not leather V neck sweater. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but not a deep V neck. Not not the no, deep no, no. V. No, 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 no. That's good. No, no, no. It's, it's just a, you know, yeah, yeah, it's that's a, not that kind of mega shirt. No, 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 no. no. It's, it's a, a modest V neck cable knit. Yeah, absolutely. Leather sweater. Yes. Yeah. Cable knit leather strands. <laughs> yeah. I, br- I bring us from uh, no less a news source than BirminghamWatch.org um, these two sentences from okay. the news coverage. Please. Okay. This is from, as we record today on April 23rd, 2017. This is the opening. Briarwood Presbyterian Church may soon join the ranks of the Vatican and Washington National Cathedral as a religious institution with its own police department. Wow. Let okay. that sink in. Okay. And now... But wait, there's more! But wait, there is more. This is further on in the thing. Mega churches such as Saddleback Church in Southern California and Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago, it's not in Chicago, but fair enough, have not felt the need to respond in a similar way. A. Eric Johnston, the attorney who drafted the bill, attends Briarwood and says they sought to work with other large Alabama churches on the bill but were declined. <laughs> Briarwood decided to go alone. Now, 
for you, uh, dear and gentle listener, yes, I, I will give this maxim of life. If Saddleback, Willow Creek, and every megachurch in Alabama yeah. looks at your idea and says, that is stupid yeah. and overkill, right? you have <laughs> lost your complete mind. Yeah. That's right, because all of those other churches will do stuff that does not need to happen. Yeah. No. You know, this is uh, this a uh, similar kind of issue came in on my blog, and I don't know if you guys know that about my blog. No, actually. But this it's very popular. I haven't heard that. Is it so popular you need blog police? Uh <laughs> wherever I go, I have blog police. What's a blog? Blog cops. <laughs> Jed, Jed gets all his news through lithograph. <laughs> Jen has just destroyed me. <laughs> Glenn has pushed all the way back in his office chair and has flopped. He's just passed away. All, that comment turns all of Glenn's bones to cartilage. He is now a defeated jellyfish of a man. As I was saying, go my on. very popular blog. Blog cops! <laughs> so, so uh, you know... But they, there was, the question was about Easter pageants, you know, ah. Easter pageant. And I, I was trying to say on there, well, you know, it's uh, I'm not an Easter pageant guy. Sure. I could not in any way care less about any Pageantry any, generally, yes. not your if, thing. If it's a pageant, I'm not there. Yeah. Uh, just count me out. But, uh, you know, I'm saying I can imagine there are some people that, that are into that. And you want families and, to come and you want the kids to have something to do. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and visitors welcome. Yeah, and, and if you had to spend a little money on that, you know, I, I can see it. You know, yeah. so it's, it, it's, it's not my bag. It's a and, special event. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's particularly necessary if you're doing everything else right. And that's sure. kind of was the point of, of, the, of the post, and it's worth checking out. Uh, but I, I think, you know, the, the, the comedic di- direction for me on this is – if you can, you know, essentially, if you can do good ministry, just do it, and then that's it. Then right. You don't need the bezels and whistles. But if you can't, you you add things. So we've talked recently about the overhead cable cam, sure, literal thing, an actual camera that zooms above the heads of yep. worshipers. Yes, I won't name names, but one of the churches that thought this police idea was too much did cable cams. Yeah, that's right. There was a time when the only people in America who had cable cams were the NFL and this church. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I mean, you know, so so there's a willingness to add stuff that just is not necessary because yeah. we're hoping this latest doodad will take it over the top. Yes. Get people talking. Yes. What else is coming next? That's what I want to know. I think we need to get ahead of the trend, y'all. Yeah. Okay, private security force is clearly the mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. all right? But I'm saying go more hardcore. The bridge, right? Yeah, that's yeah. a service. We need security. Right. Sure, sure. Right. Well, yeah, we do. <laughs> I'm going to float a couple options out there. Right. Bridge Ninja Squad. Wow. Definitely. Sure. Okay. Definitely. Bridge Viking Horde. Yeah. That's good. All right. <laughs> bridge Hellscape Marauders. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, the, the Hell's Gate <laughs> and religious stuff has connotations. Can I, can I, can I edit that? Please. Bridge Mole Man Uprising. Yes! <laughs> See, I, f- I feel that's hard to control. They're, they're underground. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll well, get that, you, though. Oh, they, they, we can't control them. Yeah. That's the thing. You just unleash them. But they're on our side. They're on our For side. For now. I mean, well, that's well, all matters. You know, I mean, you know, this, <laughs> hey, look, it, that's, a, that's, a, that's your, when you got nothing else. You 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 call the mole man in there, and we just we don't know what happens next. Yeah, you sure. Know, that's just uh, you know. I feel it lacks Can't, a certain amount of just 
aimableness. Glenn, yeah. Can you have like a, a, a church vigilante force or like a superhero squad that you yeah. pay, like the Avengers or something like that? Definitely. You've got like your mutant vigilante superhero right. force that you send out like at the unbelievers. Yeah. But it, you could revolutionize evangelism. Yeah, just attack them. Yeah, that's I think right. fantastic. That's the best way to get him into church. Yeah, no blast him with your Jesus ray. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what you need to do. Yeah. Well, just a, you... a fellowship tractor beam? Yes. Yeah, and just barring an actual mutant with actual mutant powers, can we just dress up people from the megachurch in a costume <laughs> and send them out into the world? <laughs> I don't see why not. Because I think that's an evangelistic so like, tool. That you're talking about. Miss. You're talking. Hold on. Let me ask this question. Are you yeah. talking about real life mega church member cosplay in the real world? Right. Yes. Sister Edna. Yes. You you put her in the in the spandex. <laughs> yeah. Sure. You send her out there. She's rogue now. Yeah. And she yeah. just she goes to the grocery store and she's zapping people. Yeah. And saying, "Boom! You just been Jesus." Yeah. <laughs> and then they, then they're going to church. That would solve a lot of problems. That is not the dumbest idea that has come up so far. Yeah. No, it's it's actually not. Well, yeah, there's a lot going on here. It's um, cheaper than cable cam. Yeah, it's definitely cheaper than cable oh, yeah, cam. That's, no yeah. doubt. Well, then it involves outreach. You're getting sure. out of the building and, and talking <laughs> you are, to people. You are leaving the building. They like that. Again, I like I have my I have my logistical issues with Mole Man Uprising, but I yeah. love where your head's at. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'm flexible on the Mole Man. Sure. Well, you better be. Yeah. They're gonna make you be. Uh, Viking Horde. I love it. Feels like it's hard to turn that off. Sure. Once you unleash the Viking Horde. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're gonna you know they're gonna try because again Vikings and religious buildings. I I don't know if you're a history buff. It it doesn't tend to go great. Yeah, right. I feel they're going to start looting the other churches. Yeah, this goes There's great for the Viking. That's good for us. It's good for us. Yeah. It's bad PR. <laughs> you have to find the paper trail on that. As we pointed out before, love the idea of a ninja squad. Here's the problem: How do you know if they're there or not? Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah. By the idea of some kind of semi-militarized force. Yes. For the church. And I think I can pitch this because here's the thing: at the bridge, we're a humble organization. Yeah, we don't we don't have Presbyterian Alabama megachurch money. Yeah, right? which is apparently enough to, to hire a private security force. Sure, I'm sure that's great. Um, but we got to start out budget, and then we can expand. I'm yeah. talking bridge drone air force. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes, we will Definitely. drone you. Yep. Yeah. We will drone now we can't start face. out with predator drones because no. those aren't surplus yet. But we take the the kind you buy at Radio Shack. And yeah. we attach, I don't know, a Just squirt a gun or tasers. Or Laser beam. Yeah. Sure. Thank you, Dr. Evil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sharks. But, you know, and lasers. And we just can, we can start, again, you can fly those inside. Yeah. So we can chase you out of the service. Yeah. With our laser beam equipped drones. Yeah. That is a winner. Yeah, that's it. That's Write that it. one down. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, too, just as we're closing this out, let's do one of those, what do you call uh uh Sting operations. I love sure. a good sting. Where you get a recording on yeah. the phone, yeah, and call them up. And say I got call them this mega church, yeah, and they call it mega, yes, because there's a lot of people there. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. It's not mega good in no. any way. It's just a lot of people. <laughs> yes. So what you do is you call up to mega church, yeah, and then you say, uh, "Hey guys, uh, I got a tank." <laughs> Could you guys use a tank? 
Because <laughs> I heard you wanted a police force, but I think a tank could really, you know, send a message. I got a tank just to see. I wanted, I'm just fascinated. I'm dying to know what the response would be. Hello, Mega Church. <laughs> In my survival shelter, I got me a flamethrower. I feel it's my time on to throw flames, but for Jesus. I just want to see this movie. <laughs> Jesus Tank. Here's the thing. I'm tanking for Jesus. I'll roll right over you. If you started now, cold called every mega church in the country, you could sell a tank before the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Here's how you do it. You know, uh, North North Point thought about buying the tank. Right. So if you want Anley Stanley to have a tank before you do. That's right. That's That's your own business. Yeah, yeah. But are you 100% sure he's not going to try to use that tank to commandeer your church? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. I, I want to close us out. It's, it's all great stuff. I want to close us out on this this one idea, and I, this will give us all something to cook on. And let's give the audience something to do. If you have your, your version of uh, Church Avengers, which I love, I've got Tulip Man. Yeah. I've got Captain Sunday School. Yeah. Well, I've got The Incredible Helps. <laughs> and The Theological Thor. Yeah. That's wow. good. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. play along at home. Okay. Um, but uh, that's all very good stuff. And with that, I declare emergency off. Mm. Yeah, if you want to help us buy our service-correcting drone army, yes, which will that turn into a behavior modification robot army pretty quickly, almost certainly. Yep. Matt, will one of you get to be a, like an admiral or something like, if, like if you have to, a fleet? I think I think Glenn is calls dibs. Yeah. yeah, I think Glenn would like to be a commodore. Yeah. Uh, is a Commodore. I'm sorry. The title is Overlord. Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay. Sure. He gets to design his own uniform. Let that me way. tell you what. If you're calling for a mole man uprising, when those dudes get up out of the ground, they want to know <laughs> who's the Overlord. Yeah. You say that man right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. good. I think we'll let Glenn deal with the mole man. There's no doubt about that. Oh, not Hans me. Mole Man. That would be not much of an uprising, but the mole men. Yes. He was saying Boo Earns. That's no doubt about it. Um, again, Bridgebox. Yes. I had such a good transition set up. <laughs> Help us fund our drone army. And then we mole manned. <laughs> so we're going to have a drone army, and we're going to need it when the mole men uprise, because they're coming to Chicago first. We all know that. Absolutely. Um, but until then, we'll keep hiring part-time employees, keep helping people get jobs, get housing. Um get plugged into churches, all the good stuff we do on Tuesday nights, and Lee will continue to help the folks and the Utes down there in Oak Ridge as he is part of Bridgebox as well. And you will get for yourself all sorts of good stuff, sermons, songs, and whatnot, all based around a topic every month. May's topic is how do I get rest in a nonstop world? Do a lot of fun stuff on that. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. We're going to go to our first question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, How do you not feel discouraged or anxious or depressed when you meet someone who is more successful than you in every way? I met a person who is taller, more knowledgeable, more godly, has better education, job prospects, earns more, is better looking, is musically and athletically more talented than me. How do I not just feel like I am a failure at everything? And against much of my better judgment for gentleness, I go to Glenn first. Well, by those measures, you definitely are a failure. But yeah, that's about what I expected. That, yep. This person's better than you. And uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. Including many of these things that aren't objective metrics. Right. <laughs> more knowledgeable, more godly, better looking, mm-hmm. musically and athletically talented. None of those are actually things, really. 
Yeah. Uh, let's be honest. A lot of people feel this way. I mean, you know, the, the, the truth is, um, you know, we have all of us a, a sense of, you know, uh, the things that we want to do in life, the things we want to achieve, the stuff that would make us happy, and often that stuff is pretty decent and, and reasonably healthy, and and maybe it will make us happy, and, and if we achieve it, you know, we have those life goals. But we also have these other sets of priorities that tend to be based on what other people or what we imagine other people think is mm-hmm. success. In other words... Um, if, you know, in other words, I say, well, I would like to meet a lovely person and get married and have a, a, a nice relationship. That's great. But do I care, if, if I'm super attracted to this person, do I need to care if other people think she's attractive? Sure. See what I'm saying? Sure. Somehow we can get caught up in what other people think as part of that sense of our goals, our priorities, and what success is. Mm-hmm. I've, mm-hmm. I've arrived when other people think I'm successful. So give you an example uh, from my own life. Uh, when I started off, I was a prison chaplain, okay? That was my first job out of college. And the thing is, um, it was a, an extremely uh, high-profile kind of thing. Uh, it's a very tough job. And uh, I was very blessed to be uh, trained and mentored by the previous chaplain who's just a legend in the field and so forth. So I was able to be pretty darn good at it right away as a result of his training. But the thing about it was nobody could see me do it because it was in the jailhouse. Mm -hmm. So it was this weird feeling of I am very successful, but no one could see it. So, Therefore, so did it really happen? It's yeah. like a Zen uh, riddle here, you know. Uh, you know, if you're successful in the the woods and no one's, you know what I mean. Uh, so I think uh, it was this odd feeling, and you know, I think and Jed and I were talking about this the the other day. But the funny thing about our lives is we have uh, all of the success that a human being could possibly want. But none of the trappings mm-hmm. of that. You know, we don't have the uh, giant building. We don't have a giant budget. We don't, you know, we don't have uh, sort of the external the cable cam. We don't have the cable cam, and <laughs> those people are trying to get those trappings first, yeah. with a sense that success would follow. But we have actually sort of the reverse problem, where we have the success, but we don't have the trappings, mm-hmm. and that can be sort of oddly disorienting in a way, so that. Um, I can get to a place where I feel good about myself, but I look around and say, yeah, but I don't have this and I don't have that and I don't have this other thing. And doesn't that mean I'm not a success yet? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm sure these other brothers are going to talk about uh, the, the, the comparison element of that and the, the, you know, what makes us unhealthy and whatnot. But I think that the, the, the place I want us to get started with is this idea of uh, that 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 it's a sort of a zero sum game that that the, the, the whoever gets a girlfriend there's one less girlfriend in the world for me so I'm right. losing and I'm got you know the 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 prettiest guy in the room is going to get the girl and I'm not going to get the girl the prettiest girl in the room is going to have all the guys want to be with her and nobody wants to be with me that's actually not how the world works yeah. and the Bible says that it says you know the race doesn't always go to the fastest person in the race this yeah. is not time and chance happen to all of us. There are times when people see a deeper substance in you, even though you're not the tallest person in the room, as you, as you point out. Uh, I, I say this as, as a 
short dude. I got a really super hot wife, so suck it. Yep. Uh, this is. Uh, uh, he does say that. Yeah, it, it's not. It, it doesn't follow any any logic. Yeah. The, you know, and it's not. I I wasn't the handsomest guy in in the room, and so on and so forth. So it's about recognizing that life actually doesn't work that way, and that God works in your life to create those blessings. It's not about you uh, beating everyone else in, in a competition. Right. Absolutely right. I think that's a really fantastic place to land that. Lee, I'd love you to pick us up there on that idea of the zero-sum game. Zero-sum game, for those of you who aren't familiar with that term, basically means uh, someone has to win and someone has to lose. An athletic contest is a zero-sum game. But there are other things. It's a term that comes up in politics a lot that are not that. We can both uh, both sides can get yeah. something they want or both sides can not get something they want. So to that point, where uh, I think Glenn is exactly right here of – um, you know, just because a person is attractive does not mean everyone everyone cannot marry them. Yeah. yeah. If a person gets a raise, uh, as I put in the blog post by this, unless you are the only two people who work at the same company, that does not actually mean there's less money out there for you. Right. But how do we break that idea of feeling like we're competing with everyone all the time? Yeah, I think that is a really that's a really great or great question. And and I, I think one of the things that we have to do is we have to somehow be convinced that what you're saying is true, that, that the world is not a zero-sum game, that there's more than one definition of success, as Glenn's saying, that there's more than one definition of winning. And the thing is, is how do I talk you into that? I mean, how can I convince you that, like, that there are still great things about you, even though you're not all these other things that you already lined out with this person? You know, the feeling that you have, the emotions are well, I'm not this, therefore I suck more than this person. And what happens is, is I don't, you know, you get to this place where it's like, I don't like myself. They have all the things that are awesome, therefore, and I don't, therefore I don't like myself. Well, what I would say is one thing I can, I think that we could kind of see this um, at play where, where you might, where you might actually believe it more than you think is the fact that you have tastes and opinions. Mm. Uh, let me break this down for you just a little bit. Uh, you like you have a favorite movie or a favorite few movies, and they're not the same as me, um, or probably not. Um, you know, if you pre- if you prefer prefer one uh, one burrito place over another one, or you know, you like this brand of shoes over that brand of shoes, or whatever the thing is, or you still listen to Destiny's Child or something, and, you, and you're and you into that, and that's your deal, and that's not the same as everybody else, but you actually do like that stuff. Now, those personal tastes and preferences point to something, which is, not everybody's the same, and you actually like what you like. Now, that I know that doesn't feel like the same thing. You still feel like there's still part of your brain that tells you, well, be, being taller is better and being more athletically gifted in this sport or whatever is better than being me. But there's actually another part of your brain and another part of your heart where you believe the stuff I like is is cool because I like it. That's yeah. a very cool thing to follow. In other words, you have a disinterested affection for something, or you have a disinterested interest in something else. You don't care what anybody else thinks about it. You like those old Destiny Child records. You know, you like, you, you don't like the notebook, even though all your friends do, or whatever the, whatever the case is. And that's a really cool thing to follow, because what it means is there's a part of you that realizes there are individual things about me that I like. I like this thing about me. I like who I am. 
Now, when you, when you can embrace that, what you can realize is that I'm an individual. There's not one definition of winning. Everybody is an individual. And there's stuff about me that's embraceable, that's cool. There's stuff about me that's worth celebrating. There's stuff about me that's not that person. And I like who I am. And then when you can start to expand that out into, and by the way, I like the fact that I'm changing into a different person because of the work of God in my life. And when you can start to see that stuff and start to actually like who you are, and really a huge part of it is simply admitting that you do like stuff about you. Because you do. That's what tastes and preferences and stuff like that point us to is you actually do like stuff about yourself more than more than you're willing to admit because of some of these insecurities and, and comparisons and stuff like that. When you can start to embrace that, then you can start to realize I'm a person who's worthy of love and belonging, which is like, this is the thing that's at the heart of this. Because the the lie of this thing is exactly what Glenn's saying, which is the lie of this thing is, only this one pretty person is worthy of love. Only this one gifted person is worthy of belonging or friendship. But then when you start to chase some of these tastes and affections in your life and realize, I like those things because really that what that means is I like me. I don't know if that makes sense in your brain, but that's what that really means. I like my tastes and my preferences because I like who I am. I like who God has made me and I like who God is making me into. That means I can celebrate me. And I, and, and I don't have to win or to beat anybody else because there's not one definition of winning. And I think if we start to chase this idea of your tastes and preferences, then you can start to celebrate the fact that you actually do like who God made you and who God is making you into. And that's something that's worth, that's something that's worth celebrating and embracing. And that's going to get us past this idea that there's only one definition of winning in the world. Mm. That's a really fantastic place to take that. And Jeff, let's look at another aspect of this. And uh, we want to frame this in the right way because this isn't a, uh, well, ha-ha, their life probably sucks thing. But uh, everybody kind of has their struggles and their issues. Yep. And uh, if you got every one of your wishes and were transported into this person's life, you would find out that they have struggles and issues. And if you got every one of your wishes and just looked like them and acted like them, you'd still have struggles and issues. Yep. So. Given that, how do we how do we deal with this competitive nature? It's a great question. I'm really glad that you wrote in. If it helps at all, I can totally relate. I have spent a lot of my life jealous of other people. Mm-hmm. And Chad, you're a musician. That doesn't sound right. Well, actually, let's take a look at that. I spent years and years and years wanting desperately to be a famous, beloved musician. <laughs> and I wanted that more than anything. Um, and I didn't get it. Now, today, I'm in a weird situation where I actually have a bunch of friends that are famous, beloved musicians, mm-hmm. um, some of them really famous, right. and I would not trade lives with them <laughs> for all the money in the world. Right. I love them. I, I'm, mm-hmm. ha- I'm delighted to be their buddy and, and to do what I can to support them and to yeah. you know, work together on things. I do not want their life. Right. There's and an they. I think many of them agree with you on that. Yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> there's an old saying that it almost sounds trite, but man, is it true? And the saying is, everyone is going through their own private hell. Yep. Yep. There are no exceptions. to Also, that. their own yep. private Idaho, but that's a different. Thing. Well, that's the worst kind, really. Idaho is hell. If you live in Idaho, thanks for listening to the Say That Podcast. <laughs> uh, Our apologies <laughs> to the great people, Boise, from the Say That Podcast. That's right. Everybody's going through their own private hell. Everybody. There, there are no exceptions to that. One of the things that 
was a turning point for me was when I could come to terms with saying, it's not that I want to trade lives with people. I just want certain aspects of their life. Mm -hmm. If you can come to a point where you can admit that, that's actually a great step forward Mm -hmm. because we started to inject some reality into the situation. Um, For for example, I happen to like cars. We live in Chicago, so there are people driving very fancy cars around here pretty regularly. When I – just yesterday, my wife and I passed a guy in a Lamborghini. Now, I love the idea of having a Lamborghini. Yeah. Um – I should have it. He should not have it. Right. Um, he drives it like a jerk. I right. drive it good. That's right. I'd love to have it. I love him not to have it. But if you inject a bit of reality, do you want to pay the maintenance costs on a Lamborghini? And the insurance. Hello. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. what, what I want is the idealized world of yes. what it would be like. For Thank me you. to have a Lamborghini. Yes. And that's fine. We all feel that way right. about things. But if we can get to a point where we can be honest and say, no, I want the fantasy, right? You say, um, uh, you know, this person that is better than me in every way, they're they're taller. Um, it turns out at a certain point, being taller is a huge pain in the butt. Right. Um, uh, if you get to a certain point of tall, it's super hard to find clothes. Right. Super hard to get in vehicles. It, right. There's a lot about, if you're a certain level of tall, it's just way more frustration than yeah. anything else. What you want is your fantasy of what it would be like to be tall. Mm-hmm. That You don't actually want the reality of being tall. You just want the fantasy. And that's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. We all have that. But if you can admit that to yourself, that that's the thing that you really want, I think you'll have a bit more peace because we can know what box to put that in. That leads us to something else. Here's something that that I think Christians are really, really bad at looking at is if you look at a skill that someone has, if you look at an accomplishment they have, and a man, I wish they had that. Here's the thing I want you to ask is, are you willing to walk the journey that they took to get there? Right. Are you willing to do that? Let me give you an example of what I mean. Mm-hmm. You may mm-hmm. not know this. There's no more envious group of people than church pastors. Yes. They are the most envious of all people. Yes, they are. Um, like, and it's a poison that's killing them. Yeah. One of the things they're most envious of is ability as a preacher. They all, right. they all want to be the best preacher. Uh, mm. There are basically no exceptions to this. Okay, um, here's how you become a good preacher. I will tell you, it's foolproof. It's fantastic. Find a really, really good preacher. <laughs> right. Convince them to coach you and mentor you. Oh. Do exactly what they tell you to do. <laughs> For 10 years, right. at the end of that 10 years, you will be a great preacher. That's for sure. It's foolproof. Yeah. If you will do those steps, you will be a great preacher on the mm-hmm. other side of it. And as it turns out, every great preacher you've ever heard, that's how they got there. Yeah, it's, exactly it's right. It's some variation on Definitely that. Definitely right. That's how they got there. Now, the thing, the funny thing is, for all the pastors out there who struggle mightily with envy, in particular as it relates to preaching, how many of them are willing to do that? Almost none. Right. They just want to be awesome, Jed, out exactly. of the gate. Exactly right. 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 There, you know, uh, everybody wants to look like Michael Phil, uh, Michael Phelps. Nothing wrong with that. He's right. he's a you know a specimen. How many people want to spend eight hours a day working out for fifteen years? Yeah. No. It's you know, the thing of this is again, it's injecting a bit of reality into the situation. This guy, he's way better at music than I am. Is one of the things on your list? Yeah, but has he put a lot of work into it? Right. Nobody's good at stuff by accident, man. Right. You yeah. use the word talent. That's the wrong word. Talent doesn't matter for anything. Forget yeah. talent. Um, if he's good at it, it's because he's worked at that's it. Right. Um, if you're prepared to work at it in the same way, you'll get good at it too. Right. You know, these, things aren't, these things aren't magic. Mm-hmm. If we can get to a place where we can admit to ourselves, what I'm in love with is my fantasy. 
My right. fantasy of the Lamborghini, my fantasy of being tall, my fantasy of being a rock star, my fantasy of being an anointed preacher, we can have more peace and we can start to ask, what's the stuff that I care about enough to actually work towards yeah. it? Yeah. What's the stuff where I care enough to put in the work and do the reps and build towards it? Because if I'm willing to do that, nothing can stop me. And then it doesn't matter if he's good at it or not, because I'm right. good at it and I've got my That's own right. thing. That's Absolutely right. right. That is all a lot of fantastic stuff. We're going to move on to our next question here. Comes in anonymously and it says, so in the light of Jesus's last week, um, this came in before Easter. We, uh, our recording schedule sometimes means things have to wait a little bit. We apologize for that. I wanted to ask, why did Jesus say, oh God, why have you forsaken me? I've read that in Psalm 22 where it says the same thing and I've heard that he said it as a last argument to the Pharisees that Psalm 22 was about him. That's true. Then why did he say that too? Did God truly forsake him if he knew what would happen and he knew what was coming after? Is it just something he said in a moment of pure grief? What do you guys think? And Lee, it's a very good question, even in this after Easter season. It's uh, kind of one of those things that gets thrown out there with maybe not an adequate level of explanation and a lot of kind of Easter time stuff when there's a lot to cover, to be fair. But can you start us off with just kind of the Bible basics of what's going on here? Sure, absolutely. Um, there's a, <clears throat> this is, as Matt says, it's a great question. And it's a really interesting piece of scripture because you have Jesus in his final moments quoting the Old Testament. And this prophecy about what the Messiah was going to go through. Um, theologians would call this um, substitution. What was happening was that Jesus was actually taking my place and your place. Everybody that would call on Jesus, he was taking our place by taking our sin, my record, my sinfulness upon himself and and then paying the punishment that I deserve for all of that stuff. That was what the death on the cross was about. And so that for, you know, in this kind of unexplainable, ununderstandable way, the fellowship of the Trinity was somehow splintered so that God the Father looks, turns away from God the Son. Uh, he is substituting. He is taking my place. The, Paul talks about this. He says it really well in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says that uh, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's as great a definition of substitution as you could possibly have. Jesus took my place, taking all the stuff that I deserve, so that I could get what he has. Um, here's the really cool thing about what that means for you. As Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because Jesus did that, when I have trusted in him, I will never have to say that. Because God will never forsake me. Because Jesus took my place, there are going to be times when I'm going to feel like in my life, it feels like God has forsaken me. It feels like I'm all alone in the world. But one thing that I can know is that because Jesus said that, I'll never have to say that. It'll never be true of me. Even if I feel like saying it, even if I do say it, um, it won't actually be true of me because Jesus has taken my place. Because with the punishment of sin, there is no double jeopardy. And what I mean by that is, because Jesus already paid for me, God actually doesn't punish me for my sin. He won't. He can't. He legally can't do it, because it's all been paid for. So God won't punish me. There's no condemnation for me. I am a child of God. I am in his embrace. I have his affection. I have his acceptance. I have his help. He's my dad. He's working out a plan for me. All I, have, I get all of that because Jesus took my place. So even in times when I feel like God himself has turned away from me, I can know that he hasn't because 
he because that happened to Jesus because he said those words um, those words will never be true of me and that's a good thing to know amen amen that's fantastic that is a, that's an excellent um, description of exactly what's going on in that uh, passage of what why Jesus said that and what he meant by it and Jed maybe you can pick up for us there and let's let's expand that down what how, a little bit more about what that means for us well, here's a crazy thought, just how you can uh, apply this in your own life, because everything Lee said is spot on. Um, this is a slightly simpler view. Um, both David and Jesus are apparently allowed to be mad at God. Right. And to say that they feel like God has forgotten about them. Right. And to tell God that. Yeah. Uh, they're both allowed to do that, apparently, because it's in the Bible. Right. So The Bible's good. Bible's good. I believe the Bible. So my question for you is, do you feel like you're allowed to do that? Right. Are you allowed to be mad at God and to feel like God has forgotten about you and to go and tell him, I am mad at you and I feel like you have forgotten about me? Yeah. And I think it's worth looking at, do you feel like you're allowed to do that? Because most people don't. Right. Uh, most people really, they they have a sense that is wrong and evil and bad, and that if they went to God and they said those things, God would smite them, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, there would be only a greasy spot where they had been before, mm-hmm. and then a voice would, would come from the heavens saying, no one ever do that again, y'all, and then that would be the end of their story. But again, David did it. He was a man after God's own heart. Jesus did it. And he was the sinless son of God. Right. So it makes one think. Here's a prediction. I think you have times in your life where you need to be mad at God. Yeah. Are you factually in error in your anger? Yeah, of course you are. Sure. He's God. He's perfect. Right. Um, are you allowed to feel like God has forgotten about you? Yeah, you are. Are you in error in your estimation? Yes, of course you are. Yeah. God is, is omniscient and omnipotent. He has right. not forgotten about you. That's right. it's <laughs> technically impossible. But you're still allowed to feel that way. You're allowed to be wrong. You're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> Here, here's the breakthrough moment in anyone's walk with God when they will go to their Lord and say, I know I'm wrong, Yeah. but I have got to tell you how I feel. Yes, thank you. I know I'm wrong, but I am so mad at you. Yeah. I know I'm wrong, but I feel like you're not coming through for me. Yeah. I know I'm wrong, but I feel like you've abandoned me. I know I'm wrong, mm-hmm. and I know I have a funky attitude, but that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I need some help. I need to hear something from you. I need some peace. I need some insight. I need to know what the heck is going on. I need you to comfort me. Yeah. I, I am mad at you, and I need you to do something about that. Yeah. I need you to comfort me. And here's the thing. In my experience, because I do that a lot, nothing could make God happier. Because right. now we can get into it. Yes. Now the healing can begin. Now the yeah. peace that I need, I can receive. Now the healing that I need, I can receive. Jesus paved the way for you. It says in the Bible that, that at the moment Jesus gave up his spirit, the a curtain in the temple was torn in two. Uh, the symbolism there is that all separation between God and man was destroyed in that mm-hmm. moment. You can you can go freely into God's very presence with your needs, mm-hmm. including your emotional needs. Right. If you're angry, go to God. If you're desperate, go to God. If you feel forgotten and abandoned, go to God. Jesus showed you how to do that, and he paid the way so that you could. So now go and take advantage of that. That's f- absolutely right, and another fantastic escalation on this. And Glenn, I'd love you to... Uh, cap us off by let's look at why that might not happen mm-hmm. in the sense of i don't think our, uh, to be entirely clear i don't think our friend in the question is doing this i think they have a legitimate question about uh, uh if you don't have the backstory a pretty 
complicated and really weird piece mm-hmm. of scripture where there's a lot going on. But I wonder if one of the reasons it's so hard to find a straight answer about this is the answer is relatively simple. Right. But there is resistance to said simple Thank answer. Thank you. Yeah. Can you can unpack that a little bit for us? Well, that's that's what it is with all these theologicalizing of uh, these kinds of things. Is mm-hmm. you you end up sort of creating a perfectly crafted answer that the person already really knew anyway, but it didn't satisfy them, it didn't click with them because, as you say, there's some part of it that they're not embracing. Here's the thing: the cornerstone of Christianity is grace. It's exactly as Lee was talking about. Jesus paid the price. It's been dealt with. Uh, it's it's been removed. God does not punish us because he put that punishment on Jesus. We all know the theology of that, and we call that grace, that process of we are getting a blessing when we deserve a punishment. We call that grace. That's the, the, the cornerstone of our faith, and it's also what makes Christianity unique. There yeah, is a, right. a similar element of that in other religions. But here's the thing. As much as that is central to Christianity, most Christians really don't buy it. Yep. <laughs> and a lot of them don't like it at no. all. Uh if I if I say something uh that sounds accidentally legalistic in church and a Bible study whatever it is, I can get away with that every day of the week. Mm. But if I say something about grace that is just pure grace, if I say, no matter what, God will forgive you, somebody's going to speak up and say, well, yeah, but, you know, yeah, but, 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 you know, you got to not do it after yeah. that. No, you're forgiven. The end. That's it. You're going to do something else. If you don't do this, you'll do something else. That's it. It's grace. Yeah. That's the belief. That's the religion you've joined. Yes. I'm sorry if you don't like it. Pick another one. Yes. If you don't, also... Get out of my face with your nonsense. This is it. We don't, you know, we don't like uh, grace. No, uh, because it means I didn't earn anything. I don't. Do, I don't have. I'm, I'm not standing in a position where I deserve anything. That I've earned it. I was bought at a price because I had no other way to get where I was going. But Glenn, how am I going to be better than you if I didn't earn anything? Exactly right. There is, you know, every last one of us needed to have Jesus go to the cross for us. So we're all in the same boat. We're all the same kind of center and whatever. And we, 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 I think a lot of us go into Christianity and that yeah, but is baked in. You know, I don't know how many times, uh, you know, the 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 uh, I'll talk about uh, uh, the the woman uh, caught in adultery, and I'll say, you know, and Jesus said, those whoever, whichever one of you is without sin, cast the first stone. Somebody has to speak up and say, yeah, but he told her go and sin no more after that. So you know, I got to put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, my man. Uh, first of all. We all know that. Yeah. We know we're not supposed to sin. We get it. Jesus also said that knowing this was an imperfect person who would go and continue sinning because that's the human condition. Exactly right. Here's another thing. She's forgiven whether she goes and sins again after that anyway. This is here's another thing. 
she knows that she's not supposed to sin because her sin is ruining her life. If your sin gets you <laughs> dragged naked in front of an angry mob with stones, right. you're aware sin has consequences. <laughs> right. But it's this idea that we can't say anything about grace. You have grace. too much forgiveness in this religion. Exactly player. right. If we say anything about grace and we put that out there... We have to put something behind that. Of, but you know, from now on, sin's bad, y'all. Sin is bad. Might not get off so easy next time. That's exactly right. (laughs) There is that tone, that feeling, whatever. The reason why we can't accept the totality of what happened on the cross and the extremity of it is because we aren't we aren't fully fully accepting this is it. Come on. God sent his son, and his son died. He was Mm. rejected. God turned his back on his son, and he put my sins on his son, and his son was punished and died with those sins on him. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. It, and so I have to get to a place where I embrace that's that that marks my future. That that that's who I am. That's my identity. This is I carry on with this knowledge in mind so that uh it, it, when I read this verse and 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 we're talking about God turning his back uh, on his son I have to embrace the, the the thing that I'm struggling to embrace. There is not the theology of it. The thing I'm struggling to embrace is that that really happened for yeah. me, and that it was that was the thing. This isn't just a theory. It isn't a theolo- theological premise. Uh, this price was paid, and it was paid in full, and I have accepted that into my life. There's no givesies, no backsies. There's no yeah buts to any of that. Uh, and and uh, I think that's what we all need to to wrestle with is the 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 absolute uh, uh, extremity of the truth of that situation. Absolutely right. I will I will cap us off by saying. Um, one of the other issues with getting a, a square explanation on this uh, for our question asker may have been that, as often happens in the Bible, there are a couple of few things going on here at once. Mm. Certainly, Jesus is in massive amounts of physical and mental pain. Yeah, crucifixion sucks. Yeah, it turns yeah. out it was not meant to be a pleasant experience. Yeah. Um, the other aspect is, yeah, there probably was an aspect of making the case to people who knew the Hebrew Bible and would know Psalm 22 by heart that, eh, game time, this is for real, this is Mm -hmm. what's happening right here. And both of those are good and necessary sub-points to what all three of these guys have talked about, the main thing that's going on. I I wonder if, if I think, which we, and I I wrote myself into this a little bit, um, Christians, particularly Christians on the internet, maybe Christians who write books and stuff, is there's a skip of well, they, you know, grace and basic stuff, but that's boring. Right. Everybody knew that. I got to put a slant on it. I got to yeah. put some stank on it. You know. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I got this. I got this church full of people here because of the Easter pageant. I'm not going to go up there and just talk about how there was an empty tomb. Every chump talks about that. I'm going to find something weird. I'm going to spice it up. Right. Get very specific. Supersize it. So uh, there's there's nothing wrong with looking for simplicity and basics, and especially if you're if you're if you don't have this, we're sorry for it. We hope you find it soon. If you have a one on one conversation with a pastor or an older friend or a smart group or something, there's nothing wrong with uh, gently insisting on the basics. Right. That's you right. say, well, why, right. why is this? Well, the, the ancient Hebrew and the thing is say, say, okay, I am sure all that's right. Give me give me the bird's eye view, broad strokes. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you can't explain it, there's an old thing in kind of teaching, which is if you can't explain it to a seven-year-old, you yeah, don't understand right. it. That's right. Yeah, the truth so, is simple. Absolutely. And don't be afraid of that simplicity. And if people are, you know, winding up and abandoning that simplicity, maybe look somewhere else for your answers best you can. But again, and just to be crystal clear, uh, all this, the the kind of avoidance stuff, we're not saying that you who wrote in the question are doing that. You're not doing that. You had something that was confusing. You were confused about it, You wrote in, and we applaud that. Mm-hmm. We're going to jump to our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says... I use pornography heavily for years, and even though I haven't looked at it in a long time, I feel like it still affects who I am. Uh-huh. So you'll get your chance. It's like I invited all this darkness into my mind, and oh. now I have to watch myself constantly. You'll get your chance. <laughs> constantly checking and rechecking what I do and say, or that darkness will inadvertently come out and ruin my life. Yeah. As a result, I've become paranoid and anxious. My per- therapist says I might have mild obsessive compulsive disorder. He also says that as believers, we aren't supposed to live in condemnation and shame mm-hmm. because God has removed our sins from us. I know that's true in an ultimate sense. God forgives me, so when I die, I will go be with him. But aren't there still consequences for our actions in this life? I feel like if all my fears come true and I did inadvertently say or do something that ruined everything, it would be completely deserved. It would be my own fault for inviting that darkness into me for so long. Am I missing something? Is it reasonable to expect God to protect us from the consequences of our past actions? Thank you. And thank you for writing in. That was a, There's a lot going on there. Apparently, some of our co-hosts have a lot of thoughts already. <laughs> and that's good. They have thoughts on this particular thing. And Jen, it's good. They, they have other thoughts. <laughs> but that's going to be the basics. Spoiler alert. Yeah, no, that's about where it lands. Yeah, is, uh, but Jed, let's let's. Uh, I have a feeling Glenn's going to cover some of the pornography <laughs> angles of this. Yeah, just a hunch. Yeah, I've been doing this show for a long time, uh, Jed. But I'd love to get you started this idea of even even um kind of independent from specifically porn, but this idea of I have to watch this because I might accidentally do something so terrible that it screws everything up. Sure, that's that doesn't seem like a great way to live. It's not. Um... Let's play the what-if game. It sounds like the thing you're afraid of is you'd be hanging out with your church friends, and you'd make some sort of comment that reveals that you may have seen naked flesh before. Mm. I mean, An the, adult film. It sounds what, like what you're describing. Right. So what? Right. Who cares? Right. Uh, here's, here's the thing, dude. You say, I use pornography heavily for years, uh, and, I, and it goes on from there. Dude, I've looked at a lot of porn in my life. Yep. I mean, I've made a thorough study of the art form. <laughs> Done I, the lab work. I didn't do and, it halfway. And who, who does this brother think hasn't? I got into it. Right. Okay? Right. Because I, you know, sometimes, you know, you try a first bite of a food and you go, that's pretty good. Yeah. But I don't know. Let's take a second bite and see, is it consistent? Right. Sure, there's right. notes. All right. Bits. The Michelin Guide will not reward stars until they have been to a restaurant multiple times right, to right. check for consistency. Yeah. And that's how devoted I was <laughs> to adult entertainment. Right. This is the thing. No one cares. And why am I able to say this to you on a podcast that a lot of people listen to? Because uh, I'm not ashamed of myself. Right. Jesus loves me. That's right. uh, the, the things I've done in my life make perfect sense. Right. Uh, came by them honestly. Does that make them morally good? No, not no, at all. Clearly no. Um, super duper wrong. Right. But That's it makes not per- what Christianity's about. It's not what Christianity's about. 
Um, I'm not ashamed of myself because uh, Jesus loves me. All my sins are paid for. And um, if you got a problem with that, you can take it up with Jesus. So right. there you there you go. So uh, your concern is that you would be hanging out and you would you know, make a comment. People, are, I think this fellow may have seen a dirty magazine before. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the thing that you've got in your head. All right. Uh, you have seen a dirty magazine before. Right. So have I. So has everyone you're hanging out with. Right. Everyone. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry <laughs> that eclipses Hollywood and video games. Right. That, and that's just the people who pay for it. That's just the people <laughs> who pay for it. Like chumps. Functionally speaking, <laughs> everyone has looked at pornography. Right, it's on. time for the denial to stop. That's right. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. No. Welcome back to Yelling About Porn with your old friend, <laughs> Jed Brewer. <laughs> A hit new podcast from your friends at National Public Radio. Oh my gosh, that's the best thing that's ever happened. All right, so you're, you're, you're hanging out with your friends, you make a comment, and they think this fellow may have seen an early issue of Hustler. All right, they've all looked at, but this is the other thing. There are two categories of people, If you're, because I assume from your comment you're talking about you're hanging out with Christians. You might say something to the Christians and it would freak them out. There's two categories. There are people that, that would say, well, that's, that's awful and bad and evil, and you're an awful, bad, evil person for having partaken of those awful, bad things. Right. Don't hang out with those people. Right. Those okay. people are jerks. Yeah. You don't want to hang out and with those people. maybe hypocrites, too. And super-duper hypocrites, but <laughs> definitely jerks. Yeah. People that would reject you because of your sin, in all holiness respect, screw them. Right. You don't need that yes. kind of negativity in your yeah, life. That's right. That's, right. Uh, that's, that's not it, man. Better to find out and have them move on their way. To that point, this may freak you out a little bit, but when we hang out with guys that are coming out of a gang background specifically, conversation one is they sit down and tell me every wrong thing they've ever done. Right. And I, those things are capital W wrong. Yes. Super. <laughs> we duper. are not talking about pixels on a computer screen. Nope. Right. right. The reason that they're doing that, I'm not asking them to do that. The reason they do that is they want to know, are you cool? Right. right. That's can right. You, can That's you be right. cool about stuff? Yeah. If you're going to judge me, I want to know right now. We can yep. all move on with our lives. Yep. That's actually a good policy. Yes, it is. If you've got judgmental people in your life, tell them to push on. You don't need yep. that kind of darkness. You talk about darkness. That's the actual darkness. Thank you. People that would judge on you like that. So you got that's the one group. The other group is uh, people say, yeah, me too. That's, That's right. you know, uh, there's a great line from C.S. Lewis where talks about friendship develops when one person is honest and another person says, oh, really? You too? I thought I was the only one. That's how mm-hmm. friendship in right. a godly sense begins. And it's true. And for people who haven't been, and this goes to something we were talking about in the last episode with kind of uh, closer friendships, Christian friendships, certain amount of accountability. If you haven't, uh, it's also important to not get to the point where your personal shame uh, throws off your sensors on that because a subcategory of me too is, me too, and we all know, but we're trying to have lunch here, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. we're trying. We're trying to have a mixed gender after uh, church brunch here, so nobody's judging you. But you keep it to yourself for a little while. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's. There's. Well, that's a, fine. Pick your moments. Yeah. There's a time and a place. There's an appropriateness factor outside yeah. of the judgment factor. Absolutely. Those are those are completely separate things. Here's the the thing. I add this, and and I'll throw it to my co-host here. You're a good dude. Right. You've got a good heart. Right. You're, you're trying to be serious about this Jesus thing. That's as much as anybody can ask of you. We love you. We believe in you. Stop punishing yourself. Thank okay. you. Stop carrying this around. Yeah. J- Jesus paid for it, dude. Um, it's, 
whether it was a big deal to begin with or not, I think you can guess what I think about that. Regardless, it's paid for, man. It's done. Lee talked recently about having conversations with Christy early in their marriage, and they'd be fighting, and Lee would want to keep feeling bad, and Christy would say, can you leave that behind? Can Can we move on? Those are good words and appropriate here. Let it go, man. Yep. It's paid for. You're a good dude. You've got a good heart. Here is my closing thought. Here's what sin always does. puts the focus on you. Yep. If you want to know, is, is something sinful? Does it keep the camera focused on you 24 hours a day? Then yes. Best thing you can do, take that camera off of yourself. Figure out how to love and serve and build up somebody else. And I think you're going to feel a heck of a lot better. I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And Leah, I'd love for you to, to pick us up there. I think one of the things that we talked in the last <laughs> question about uh, the... Obst- the mental and emotional obstacles to believing something that's true. I think something uh, actually it goes right with grace that a lot of Christians have a hard time with is, yeah, grace is like a thing and covers. So no, your actual, your past spiritual darkness <laughs> does not doom you. Now we want to be clear. There's such a thing as consequences to earthly actions. Sure. sure. Right. As, yes. as again, yeah. we do have to talk about with our friends who are in jail you being in jail for a long time is not exactly the same thing as God punishing you for having wickedness in your heart. Yeah. Right. As much as it is the state punishing you for stealing that car. Yeah. Exactly. Which is technically a sin, but you didn't get convicted of a sin. Yeah. You got convicted of a crime. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> a very different thing for now, but not in Briarwood, Alabama, apparently. Yeah, well, you know. But the thing about that is. Um, there's this weird discoupling of past actions from what God has for us going on that I think a lot of Christians are uncomfortable with. So, Lee, can you explore that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, the, the thing is, is that it, exactly as you're saying, when I do certain things, it's going to have consequences. So if I, if I speed, which is breaking the law, um, then I might get a, a speeding ticket. I also might take a curb too fast and, you know, pop a tire or you know, lose a hubcap or something like that, I might have consequences. But that's not what Christians usually mean when they talk about consequences to sin. Uh, and we need to be clear about that. Yeah. Because what, what, here's what Christians mean when they talk about consequences to your action. They mean Jesus karma. Yeah. That's what they okay. mean. Yeah. They don't mean consequences to your actions. Look, when, when, when I'm talking to my high school, you know, high school guys that I'm working with, and this dude's in a high school relationship with the girl, and they've decided to go ahead and start having sex. Uh, you know, and he's asking my advice about that. I mean, I can be cool, and I'm not judging down on him, but my advice is going to be to steer him away from that action because that action is going to make them both completely miserable in every single way. Now, this is not me saying, uh, I- I'm judging on you because you're bad and you're naughty and-, and you do terrible, naughty, wicked, bad things because you're so awful. It's me saying, dude, this is not your best way to find satisfaction in life. And this, this is not how you're going to get to where you actually want to be. Those are two totally different things. Yeah. If-, if we talk about now, there's an- one earthly consequence to them having that relationship is, could they get pregnant? Are they going to, uh, are they going to? you know, make their adorable dating relationship totally miserable. Yes, they could get pregnant. Yes, they're going to completely uh, train wreck that adorable high school dating relationship. Those are some natural consequences because of some things. But that's not what Christians are talking about when they talk about consequences. You're talking about Jesus karma. 
They're talking about Jesus is going to get you because Mm. of your sin. It's the polar opposite of grace. It has nothing to do with Christianity whatsoever. And when people talk that way, you need to find out what they're saying. Okay, are you saying natural, actual human world consequences to the actions that that I'm doing? Or are you talking about Jesus karma? Because I don't believe in that. Okay? So... And what that what that means specifically for you is when you wrote in this question, my first thought to you was, dude, if we could sit down and have a hamburger, I would say to you, you're the guy we need out there. You've had a couple of months of victory, and you're the person that's going to be able to go encourage somebody else that wants to get a little freedom. You can tell them what it feels like to pass to to push through that that two week moment and, and get down to to a month. You're the person that can tell us what victory feels like. We need you out there. You're doing great. It's time to celebrate some victory. It's not time to beat yourself up or to worry what doom might possibly happen in the future of your relationships. That's not what's going on here because Jesus is not waiting in a dark alley to pop out and scare you and to ruin your life. Jesus, as Jed said, he loves you. That whole thing is over. There is no... We don't believe in karma. We yep. don't believe in that. We believe in grace. And that includes, by the way, your mind, your heart, the way, you know, all, that whole thing, the way you experience all of that with the images and the brain and the everything. There, there is so much beautiful stuff that people are completely ignoring because they believe in karma instead of grace. And you need to be clear about that because when I look at you, and and I know that we're not hanging out face to face, but when I look at your question, the way you wrote it in, I'm thinking, you're the dude I want out there. You're the dude I want out there talking to folks who are trying to get some freedom and victory in this deal. Mm -hmm. That was really fantastic stuff. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to to cap us off on this. I don't know if you have any strong opinions about it. (laughs) You can muster something up. And part of the the thing I would guess that you uh, have a thought on is exactly what the inviting darkness aspect of this chain of events is. We may have misdiagnosed a bit. Well, I think that's probably uh, what you call BS. Biblically specious? Just biblically specious. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's 100% BS. I think it's theologically BS is what that is. The the, the idea that, that I, you know, I, I like looking at naked uh, bosoms and that is inviting darkness into my life is an exaggeration that 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 is... Absurd. Uh, it's really absurd. We are Swing going... Swing and a miss. There, that is... Uh, come on, dude. We got to really put this in proportion. I mean, there has to be a sense of of whatever about it. And I agree 100% with what Lee is saying, that there is, uh, that this is an anti-grace viewpoint at some point. I'm not talking about your viewpoint about your own past, really. I'm I'm talking about, and I think I I speak for Lee on this, I'm talking about the viewpoint that's been put on you. Right. Yeah. uh, Of... Somebody said you've invited darkness into your life. That's a that's a that's a lingo that that sounds like it was picked up yeah. by somewhere else. You know, uh, this is the thing about that is you you you've developed a, a viewpoint of yes, I'm forgiven, but you know, mm-hmm. whatever comes after that, but that's got to go. Yep. That is an anti-Christian, anti-grace. Viewpoint, just as we were saying in the last in the last question, 
we aren't comfortable with that's it, it's over now, what? We don't like that. We like, I'm living in the cloud of darkness. I'm trying to make my way out of the darkness. I've invited into my soul. (laughs) (laughs) It's an epic journey. And there are people who have very hairy feet. And there's a ring. Are you you introing a Twilight Zone episode? I I don't know what it is. but very Rod Sterling there. there, Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Uh, But here's the deal is let's start. Uh, in all of this bad theology, let's start with an actual definition of what sin is. Okay, you take God says, "Do this." Anything else, that's a sin. Yep. <laughs> Everything else, that's a sin. That's what a sin is. Yep. That's not the definition that you're operating by in order to facilitate this thinking that you have. In order to think the way that you think, you think there's stuff that's technically wrong. Like, for example, if I, you know, as Lee was saying, if I speed in my car, that's wrong. But it's, eh, that's like a small wrong. But is it? But is it? And it's a, you know, there's that. (laughs) And then you have... Things that are wicked. The fruits of the devil. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're inviting darkness into our soul. Okay. This sort of a ranking of sin is not good theology or whatever, but it it undoes the definition of sin itself. God is coming into your life right now, and he's saying, this I want you to deal with. This other stuff, would you mind keeping it to a dull roar? Because we're going to get to that soon. Yeah. And if you could start, you know, drawing down on that, that would be great. Because because I'm going to soon I'm going to come to you and say that's got to go. Not for today though. For today, I want you to do this one thing. I want you to get rid of this one thing that's that that's a, a, a real problem. In that, for you, getting rid of that one thing is righteousness. Getting rid of something else instead is not no. righteousness. Uh-huh. So there, there's this this uh, this sense of I think porn is the ultimate evil in the universe. That's not a thought that came from God. That's not yeah. how He would order that in in your life. Um, and I want to I really want to land on you know what Jed was touching on, which is where let's talk about darkness and inviting darkness into your life. Because man, the, as he was saying, the shame and the guilt of yep. this thing. That's the darkness. That's the darkness. And you invited that in deep. And I don't know that it feels <laughs> unwelcome at this point in yeah. your life. I mean, you're wrestling with it. You got the right, exact right take on this thing of, you know, I you know, I know the, what the theology, you know, that the God forgives me and, and that he's paid the consequences and so on and so forth. And you're uh, talking to a professional therapist about this. Absolutely right. You got the, you're on the right track. You know what the, the thing is that you need to be on, but you don't know where the darkness is. The darkness is... I am beating up on myself and I'm condemning myself in a way that God does not agree with. You want to know where the sin comes in. You want to know where the unrighteousness is in the situation. It's the self-condemnation. It's the guilt. It's the shame that I wallow in. It's, it's, it's building that up within myself and saying, yes, I'm forgiven, but... And that mentality and that, that, that way of thinking is what's destroying you, it's hurting you, it's hurting your relationship with God. That's the darkness. The shame has got to go. No doubt. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. 
everyone is on the same plane with us, and we have to live an honest life in order to have peace, in order to be happy. Mm. We can't live that lie. We can't pretend to be something that we're not. Absolutely right. I think another attack, one short thing on the end here, from the very, very good stuff here from these guys. I think there's another misconception here with this idea of something might just rear its ugly head and I would I would be powerless to not say it or do it and all, all would be ruined. Yeah. Um, there are some things for which, yes, there are some kind of semi- uh, subconscious responses. You know, if, you, if you've had a certain amount of trauma or if you're a recovery addict or if you have certain uh, develop, developmental or physical disorders, there are ticks and things that you just can't stop. They just happen totally independent of your decision. Porn is not that. Nope. Right. That it, Let us not elevate the sin to an unnecessary level that we may uh, live under its shadow for all times in all ways. Um, there are certainly things and issues that and situations that people go through and have been through where yeah, you might just have a, a post-traumatic uh, episode and start screaming in the middle of the grocery store, and that's that's awful, and hopefully that the, there are people who are in the treatment for that very serious condition. Having looked at boobies on the internet... Is not that. Is not that. Right. This is not something that has borne itself into your very soul and rewired your brain. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it rewired your brain. Did you see the book cover with the brain, but it's got wires in it? It rewired it. <laughs> wow. You have absolutely no control over the things you do and say now. You were born wanting to look at naked people. That's that's yeah. your biology. Come that's on. That's how that works. Um, so you, you do have a certain amount of control. You do have a certain amount of choice. And you're... And to prove that, you're exerting it. Yeah, that's right. You are not just looking at porn all the time. You are going to appointments with your counselor. You that's are right. wrestling with ideas. These right. are all acts of will that your uh, sin sin nature, to use the biblical term, and your shame and guilt, would much rather you not do. Yep. All those things are anathema to the idea of darkness just dwelling within you. So you're on the right path. And the last thing I would say, it, it colors what all these guys have said. You're absolutely right that oh, you know, God died for you, therefore... Uh, you, you don't have to go to hell for the things you did bad. That is good. We're all thankful for that. That is not the whole of the grace experience. Yes. God is also risen. The, the Bible says that Christ died for our sins and rose for our justification. Mm. It is not dead Savior, but sins are forgiven. Try not to screw it up from this moment on. Right. <laughs> it is right. we have a Holy Spirit who lives inside us. We have a risen Savior who walks with us. God is renewing all things. That includes you. That is an ongoing process. And this is not a thing where you just have to kind of wait out this small, scared life until you die and don't get the, the punishment. You also get some grace and some peace and some joy and stuff. And God wants you to use that right now and have a good, full life with those things. That's what we want for you as well. All right. If you have a question right. for us, say that podcast, gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to tell you the song, and this week we go to an old favorite from live, from live at the Bridge. This is Jed Brewer leading the good men and women there in a song called So Here I Am. We'll take you out with that. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, fully determined to win the, the Ecclesiastical Strategic Arms Race. Nice. <laughs> That's good. Wow. That's good. If you were looking for accomplishment, then you know I wouldn't stand a chance. But you said you wanted failure, so here I am. If you were looking for intelligence, then you know I wouldn't stand a chance. But you said you wanted fools, so here I am. 
Love I did not 